figure this out as we go. <laughs> yeah, that would make it even more funny just to watch you squirm doing your own stuff that you're <laughs> it's your specialty. Hey, so we we did this uh we did this film in here tonight. So we've never really talked about film school. Um mm. so when I moved to Oklahoma about 24 years ago, they were piloting a program not to create directors or or assistant directors, but to teach people how to be crew people on movies. And uh, okay. since I was a single dad at the time and I owned a restaurant in another city um, and I was kind of stuck here for lack of a better word, I was part of the entire first class that went through this, like literally the first people who ever took it. And mm -hmm. a really famous director named Gray Fredrickson was the one who ran it and another guy named Fritz Kirsch. And uh, so two of the guys that I went through school with were working on this project and wanted to use my restaurant to to do the project. And, and it it's interesting to see where everybody's ended up because I actually am more known for being on TikTok than anything. Mm -hmm. And the skill, the skill level on there is very low. The bar <laughs> is very, very low. And, you know, this guy had a $10,000 digital camera with him last night and he does this for an actual job. But the other guy he had with him, ah, whoo, wow. Not everybody makes it through. That we'll just leave it there. <laughs> Not that, everybody makes it through. That bad. <laughs> That's about the nicest thing I can say. That's you know, it's it's just interesting. Um I am not a person that likes to work with people that are unpredictable. I mean, I just, if there's one thing I want out of somebody is I want to know they can show up and I want to know they're capable of doing their stuff. Yeah. You know? Tell me what you're going to do and then do it. And and we'll get along just fine. <laughs> we can work with everything else out. But if you're unpredictable, I, I just literally, I, it, Dan Cunningham used to have a thing. And he said, showing up is 90%. Mm -hmm. It really is. Like it is, it's actually 90%. If you're there and no one else is there, you're the boss. <laughs> yes. He used to tell me that all the time about yeah. that one thing. And his other advice to me used to always be just call them and ask them. Worst thing yeah. you can say is no. <laughs> no. Right. If you don't ask, I know what the answer is. For anybody wondering, we tried to include a friend of ours from Germany as well, so that we'd right. have Oklahoma, Germany, and Bangalore on one call. <laughs> three three actual continents, I think that counts as, right? Yeah. Wow. Hey, we'll get it another time if we can't get this thing through. Um, in the meantime, let's, <laughs> let's, let's cover our weirdness here. So we had elections on Tuesday, mm -hmm. and... Uh, Democrats did really good as well as democratic policies. And uh, here's, here's my prediction. You know, they're, they're trying to do this moms for Liberty thing. These, these crazy moms that go in and talk about banning books and stuff all mm -hmm. thought this was a good idea. Guess what? Americans don't really like banning books. We've been down this road over and over and over. Unfortunately, I was on the right side of history on this one. And uh, and so most of the Moms of Liberty people didn't get through. Literally, it was like one out of 15 or 20 of them got through. And these were really well-funded by corporate donors. You know, it's a, it's a decent organization. They could afford advertising. Maybe, just maybe, we are moving away from the Orange Man Syndrome. Yeah, maybe there's so. No well, what you see is 
polls that show that he's ahead of Joe Biden. And uh, which, look, nobody wants Joe Biden. We, we all know he's old, but I'll take him over the other nut job. You know, mm-hmm. Joe gets some stuff done. Is he boring? Yes. He, does he brag about himself? No. He just goes to work every day. It's, it's, the, the challenge here is middle-of-the-road voters. So you have to have independence to win. That's what's unique about our deal. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're really popular with the Republican Party. There aren't enough of them. They have yeah. to get these other people to join in. And uh, I, I think there's a quite possibly um, that not that Joe's my favorite or anything, because believe me, my wife took a really good photo with him. That's the best thing I can say about the guy. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's OK. He's I remember the four years of the Donald. You know, those were those were awful um, with all my European cousins making fun of me and shit, <laughs> as if I voted for it because I did not. Mm hmm. Yeah, but you guys and, had a bad rap for a while there from people all over the world. <laughs> and and we deserved it. I mean, you know, we don't have an appreciation for how delicate this all is. Because yeah. we hadn't we hadn't had anybody like him before. But look, our state has a governor that's pretty damn similar. You know, he looks like Gomer Powell and it sounds sounds like Gomer Powell, but um it's pretty similar personalities and, and determined to take down parts of government that could make his friends money. Okay, here's a great example of how you make money in government. So we do these school voucher bullshit thing that's a tax refund. And yeah. of course, when they were selling it to the state legislature, the fees to do this won't be over a million dollars a year. The first bid's $4 million a year. Hey, shock. Someone was asking yeah. me if uh, education was free in the US and I didn't know how to explain this voucher thing to them. <laughs> yeah, so... So the way I would the way I would say this, um, supply and demand is mm-hmm. is the basis of the American economy. We are a money and profit economy. And if people don't understand that first and foremost, they won't understand how this works. So we always tried to keep religious institutions from being in our schools, but slowly through scholarship programs and otherwise, Religious institutions were given government money here one way or another, be it through a loan, a grant or something else. So they moved that one more length forward where you could get a slip of paper, essentially a check to pay your tuition. Because really and truly, and I mean this, I I sent five kids through private school. Um, I still paid as if they went to public school. There is a complaint to be had there. But what we don't want to do is use public money to pay for religious indoctrination of one religion or the other, any religion from the Satanists all the way up to the to the Catholics who run very good schools. Unfortunately, they've got a child molestation problem still. Um, So we couldn't do vouchers in Oklahoma. Our Constitution specifically says you cannot do it. But what we they did is a tax rebate, which doesn't help poor people. This was essentially a tax break for the, maybe not wealthy, but upper middle class to upper class who send their kids to private schools. Now, our private schools here are very reasonably priced. They really are from a guy that came from a bigger city. So now if Kathy and I sent our kids back to school, we could get up to $7,500 per child back from the government each year for tuition, which sounds reasonable, 
except that money comes straight out of the money that is designed for people in public school who don't have access to private schools. So we literally took $7,500 per child away from middle class, lower middle class and poor and gave it to upper middle class and rich. Is it fair? I could make an argument either way. I really could. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is we're not supposed to be supporting religious institutions. And the other argument would be, well, we've done that for a long time. If you went to a private college and got a government loan, you supported a religious institution. Mm-hmm. And it's fair. Yeah. I, I I understand the argument. It's not right that, that our, our next company owners and entrepreneurs don't come from the upper middle class and wealthy folks. They come from some kid that had it tough and was the poorest kid in a nice school who bothered to read and go to the library and work his ever-loving ass off. That's America. That kid is the one that gives 30 jobs, 50 jobs, 100 jobs, 200 jobs, 1,000 jobs. Yeah. Wealthy people just invest. They don't mm-hmm. build. And I that sounds really mean. People go, well, I know so-and-so, Bill. And you go, if your dad gave you the money, you didn't build shit. You use your money. To do something. And it's not a cut down. Hey, we mm. all need capital from time to time. But the f- future of America is the immigrant class. It's not upper middle class kids that grew up here, no matter what your color. Because those yeah. the color barriers don't. Once you get to upper middle class, life's easy. You don't need that shit. Why, why would you work 80 hours a week? Mm-hmm. You know, upper middle class people don't buy Bentleys. You know why? Because they don't need to show off to anybody. They already got a nice house and car. They're they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. who buys a Bentley? Some poor immigrant kid that worked his ass off, and he's proven to everybody he did okay. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. What I don't like about our system now is education is not free. We all pay for it. That's that's number one. And number two, I would say is we have this nostalgia for this old free school system that worked really well for whites. Okay. And what I mean by that is white people look like me. You move to a rural area to get away from the inner city people and you Mm -hmm. send your kids through a school where everybody looks like you. Education is important to everybody. And you move them through. And that has worked in America up until about 50 years ago. Reading scores didn't move for 30 years and they weren't great. Um, But you also have to understand the terminology behind it. Everybody always uses these terms and they think they know what it means. Okay. What do you think the word proficient means in reading? Not, not you personally. What does that mean in a school system? Give me, give me a guess. I would guess that it means uh, like you are able to read the books prescribed to that particular grade in a coherent manner. Right. And understand what you're reading. Mm -hmm. No, it means you read 25% above that. Okay. So when you say I want 100% proficiency, it's impossible on a Mm. curve to have 100% proficiency. So when people say you only have 50% proficiency, yes. 50% of the people read 25% above the other people. Oh, okay. Right. 
it's the term that nobody knows what it's like saying I'm an educator instead of I'm a teacher. I hate mm-hmm. to say it. A lot of people don't know what an educator is. Mm-hmm. So the, the question is back to your question. Are our schools free? There is education that is available to you. Now, the thing that you and I have discussed numerous times, mm-hmm. we had a lot of Asian Americans that came over here through boat lifts and everything else. They managed to do incredibly well in shitty schools, all go to college, graduate from college, have professions and do very well, live what is, quote unquote, the American dream. They study group. That's all they did different from anybody else is they study group, meaning they learn from each other and Mm -hmm. found other smart people to study with. If you just go to an average or below average public school here and don't have a study group and don't know how to study, you're going to fail. That doesn't mean you're going to fail at life. That just means you're going to fail at school. You're not going to be proficient. Why? Why are Asians able to come here and be proficient in the exact same environment? Hmm. Do you know, like, uh, when I was in my master's, I would at times catch, like, one of the international students. They were mainly, like, Asian or Indian kids who I used to hang out with. And I would give them like some of my notes from like statistics or something. And they would like explain that in a better way, which I would understand. Yeah. Because they're they're Mm -hmm. student to student. Right. But I, so in the society I grew up in, I'm I'm Irish. We want to be independent because we grew up under that British rule bullshit. You know, they're self-sufficient, independent. Uh, my mom was a teacher. I don't remember my mom sitting down and working problems with me. I was just in another room by myself because I was the youngest kid. So I was the dumbest one. So I would try to write words out and stuff and I'd bring it into her just like a teacher. And she'd correct it and send me back to the other room. In a room of people that were doing the same thing as I, we could go, oh, this worked for Joe. Oh, this worked for so-and-so. This, you know, and, and work it that way. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a culture problem. Mexicans have the same deal and yeah. black Americans have the same deal where they want to be independent. And you go, that's really not how it works. But for some reason, we don't want to teach collaboration in our free schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I had, Deepak, and you probably had it, but other people didn't, a class full of eight people. And we sat in a circle with a teacher. Now, if you didn't do your homework, uh, everybody knew it. And and then the teacher mm-hmm. would ride you harder. Well, that doesn't happen in a room full of 40 people. Yeah, You know, that our education system isn't designed for that methodology. It's mm-hmm. designed to get you through high school and be able to get a blue collar or a low end white collar job. How yeah. you move beyond that is really up to you. We are moving back to teaching skills in high school that you could go do. Being an electrician and a plumber and a cement finisher and a roofer, all this stuff that you can make seventy dollars to $100,000 a year in America, which you can buy a nice house, a nice car, and raise your family on, um, we stopped teaching. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why, but, but we did, you know? So is school free. So you remember when, when in England college was free, but you had to test in. So Mm -hmm. only 10 to 15% got in, but it was free. That's not free. They're getting tax money for the rest of your life off of you for making that extra money. It's not free. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. So, so college isn't free here, but yet you can get grants that make it free. So mm-hmm. it's possible and it's not possible all at the same time. But the latest bullshit of all of this is, look, I, I don't know why. Well, I mean, I do know why. I'm, I'm an eloquent speaking white guy. So I was able to get jobs at 18 years old that paid more than 50 year olds were making at the time. Yeah. And if I lie and act like I didn't have an advantage walking in the front door, it's bullshit. I did. Mm-hmm. And I took it. And I fucking took it. That's the other thing. Take it. I mean, you got to take it. Mm-hmm. You walk in with that British BBC accent, you move to the front of the row. Mm-hmm. You walk in with a Punjab accent that nobody can understand, you're not in the front of the row. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just a fact. Your dad put you in the position to be successful. So mm-hmm. um, could, could I have taken better advantage of my education that was available to me? God, yes. I had no idea how good of a system I was in. I just, Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I just didn't know. You know? John, you were younger. How the hell would you know? Right. right. (laughs) It's like 2020. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll tell you a good, stupid story for you. So in maybe fourth grade, you know, we take these tests once a year called Iowa Basics Tests. And I scored in the upper 90%. And this is from a kid who never did homework. I mean, I, I, I never did any. I just didn't. But I yeah. liked to read. In fourth grade, I liked to read. Like, I was a voracious reader. Because mm-hmm. I could make a movie in my head about whatever was going on. Um, so they moved me into the smart class. In fourth grade is when we started to have the smart class and the not-so-smart class. I sat in there and I was like, God, these people are so boring. It's no fun. And nobody says anything to the team. I wanted to be back with the idiots. <laughs> Literally. That, that's where the fun was at, Sean. <laughs> I know. But do you see where? That's why I own a restaurant and a bar. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I preferred the environment. And I have people that work for me here that could work on one side and make more money. And they prefer the atmosphere on the other side. And I get it. I mean, I, I understand that. So think of, think of, I, I don't know how it works in India because you have so many dang people, you know, you have to, you have to be in the right place at the right time to get a good education there, no matter how smart you are. Yeah. Um, I think, see, a lot of things, as much as they say that it is only hard work and stuff, a bunch of it is just fucking luck. Yeah. Blind yeah. luck. Mm-hmm. Not even not even your parents knew somebody luck blind luck. But my dad had a third or fourth grade education, depending on, you know, when you talk to him. He married a woman that had graduated from college, which back then nobody did. And her mm-hmm. sisters both had master's degrees, and so did her brother. He just yeah. got lucky and landed the right woman. I mean oh, sh- there is this uh, there was this episode that I wanted to tell you to watch. It's about a restaurant mm-hmm. called the Darjeeling Express in London. It yeah. is done by this lady called Asma Khan, who's like from mm-hmm. the northern part of in no, she would be from the eastern part of India, Calcutta. To is, be she, exact. is she? Is she? Oh, I know <laughs> okay, who it but, is. But, but I'll tell you something ahead. that she was stand like. There's this one weird part in that show where apparently her father took her to like the top of the the old fort that their family had. Oh wow! And he <laughs> and he pointed at the slums and he told her. It is just an accident of birth that you were born within these walls. 
you could have very right. easily been born in those slums. So right. you better make your life worth something and help people while you're at it too. I I want to believe that I've done a good job of bringing other people along. Mm-hmm. And I can I can name offhand as of right now at least four maybe five very successful restaurateurs who came to me with literally absolute nothing. And I taught them the actual business. Was I hard on them? Was I Clint Eastwood from, from Grand Torino? Yes. You know who's good at taking shit like that? Immigrants. They mm-hmm. don't care whether you're nice or not. They want to know how that shit works. How yeah. do I get to where you are? <laughs> yeah. And they all did and were successful. Did they work their asses off? Yes. Are there still those opportunities in America? Yes, those still exist. And you don't have to have an education to get them. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. You know all, all my kids. My kids are mm-hmm. a little soft. You know why they're soft? Because they didn't have to fight on their way to school every day. And they didn't have to fight on their way home from school every day. Mm-hmm. But that's the exact thing that kind of made me who I am. And yeah. It's it's not all good. <laughs> I'm the first to admit it. So what I mean, is it nature or nurture? We go back to this thing and then her her dad taking her and showing her the fort to the slum deal is, you know, we mm-hmm. uh, women a lot of times their moms will take them to the railroad tracks and say, Okay, do you know what they mean when they say the wrong side of the tracks? It's right there. Mm. This is the right side of the tracks. We don't do that. Yeah. And it's a uh, it's 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 the inside track of a mom's view of, you know, those people versus us. Hell, it's just luck that you got born into this side. Okay. I mean, if if I dude, if I was born in Ireland, I don't mm-hmm. know if I would own anything. And here I owned my first business when I was twenty one, free and clear. I mean, I I, I borrowed five thousand dollars, free and clear, basically. And would I be able to buy property? How? Shit, there's no decent jobs. Mm-hmm. If I didn't inherit property, what do you what do you do? You're you know, it isn't it, it isn't a slum, but you also don't have anything. Yeah. You know? Like like think about how expensive real estate is, not just in the US yeah. or here, but all over the world. Eh? Yeah. If you well, are just coming up, how do you get that first down payment on that house? Well, you want to know how Irish that? people do it? How? <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Um, <laughs> we are, we are, um, we are not a society of lifelong gangsters, but we mm. are a society of temporary gangsters if they have to be. Yeah. And then once they have a bank, eh, you can stop doing it and move to the background. Um, and all the other Irish people knew what you were doing or not, and then everyone stays quiet about it. Mm. That's that's what it takes. Look, yeah. I don't see that you guys would be any different in the same circumstance. Mm-hmm. And and sure. what it is is we come out of this weird ass British colonial rule where you go, I have to quietly go take advantage of the situation I have been put in. Mm-hmm. And and yes, some people get clipped in the meantime. It doesn't work out, and that's that's the risk. But yeah. I don't. My first house was only fifty thousand dollars. 
I don't know how you start off with a house that's 200 or 220 or you got to go find 50 grand to get in that house. Unless you get in on some government program where they give you down money and you never, ever pay this place off. But if you're going to own it, yeah, are, are you willing to go deliver pizzas on weekends or, or does that only happen if you don't live in your hometown? See, if you look at the millennials, I think a lot of them, yeah. not by choice, but by <laughs> actual force, are like downsizing, minimalistic, looking for yeah. tiny homes. Because it is right. ridiculous for this generation to even perceive, the, like, how do you stay with that much debt and carry it throughout your life and not just yeah. enjoy anything? If you look at the previous generation, they just put their heads down didn't take yeah. vacations, didn't do this, didn't do that. Right. Whereas now people actually are a little bit more open to it, their mental health, their happiness, right. their free time, work-life uh -huh. balance, things like that. So I would say very French, mm -hmm. very French. They're enjoying yeah. life as it goes, knowing mm -hmm. full well you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I grew up with that European mentality, but you know, I am concerned that none of my kids own a home yet. And my youngest one is 27. Now they have good paying jobs. They don't have the debt that other Americans have. Kathy and I lived a very medium life so those guys could get through with no debt. And yeah. we we did it. Now, if they, if they took on some debt for a master's program, we're like, nah, it's your own. Why, why did you go to a private college to do that when the public college paid? I mean, did the same thing. We're, mm -hmm. we're a little weird on that be because we're business people. Yeah. Um, but I understand how they live. I, I wholeheartedly understand it. There's no, um, look, I went years as an entrepreneur without really buying anything. And then I, mm -hmm. I, you know, once I finally made a shit ton of money, I bought everything I ever wanted to own and looked like an idiot probably. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad I was that person. I don't have to do that twice. You know, I did it once, um, but you're you're quite right. I I get that it's 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 the min I live a minimalist lifestyle because I want to own less. They live in a minimalist lifestyle because they can't buy more. Yeah, is that fair? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but they're also not competing for relationship selection. Okay. So you guys still have arranged marriages. If you're living in a tiny home, um, the other people are going to find out and you're out of the out oh. of the choosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're getting at, Tim. Like, oh, yeah. he doesn't have a big house. He doesn't have a fancy car. Why should I marry my right. daughter to him type mm -hmm. shit? Mm -hmm. what, I would, what I would say, so when I was 21 years old, I drove an old beater Mercedes. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to own one. So I bought one. Um, yeah. I, I, I had what would be considered a very high end luxury watch that I still made pizzas and washed dishes with, but these were the things that I was being judged as, as a, as a male at the time, whether you want to admit it or not for relationship selection. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was in a pretty solid group cause I was an entrepreneur as well. Even if I wasn't a very good one, if you're one at 21, <laughs> you're going to be just fucking fine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I look back and go, what kind of a weirdo was I? But 
for college women that were going to college to find a husband. Mm -hmm. I was what they were looking for. Entrepreneur, I owned the right stuff, but I still lived with four friends and I wasn't mm -hmm. financially responsible. Um, but on paper, I looked really good. So in your culture, I, I probably would have landed pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I have a strange feeling that your lifestyle, Sean, I mean, Alex's lifestyle had sort of right. like rubbed off on me. But yeah. Alex always used to have this dream where he would be like, hey, we need to buy a 2001 Mercedes. And I was like, why? Mm. <laughs> he was like, I just wanted to... <laughs> people to think that I was big during the <laughs> dot-com boom. And yep. <laughs> after the bubble burst, I've just been driving the same car. <laughs> right. And and he's he's got a point. In Oklahoma, we can usually look at what year your really nice truck is. Tells us when you were doing really well. Oh, shit. I wouldn't even be able to guess. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know because they all look kind of the same anymore. The, mm. the, Hispanic trucks have all the gear on them now, which are actually really nice looking. I wouldn't drive one because it doesn't look like a like I if I have a truck, I want to move shit in it, you know. I'm not trying to look good in it. But they okay, so they managed to come to this country in general, and I'm generalization, don't write many letters, um, not well educated, much like the Irish. You know, the Indians that came here were all well educated. That's mm -hmm. the difference. So you guys came in in the 100,000 and more bracket from day one. And the Hispanics came up washing dishes, mowing lawns, everything else, bought their lawnmowers, bought their truck. On their days off, they go out and buy, get scrap metal and all this shit, and they own homes. John, that I mean, would be all the Indians if we shared a border with you guys. It's just that we, right. have to, yeah. we have to go through an interview process to even get on a flight, right? <laughs> so Correct. all of us had degrees yeah. at the embassy <laughs> when we go right. for these interviews. <laughs> hey, man, I had a, a chef that worked for me named Lorena, um, mm -hmm. and she was from Juarez, Mexico. Made literally the best food I've ever eaten in my entire life still to this day. And she just had the gift. But I eventually went with her brother back to their hometown. And so she grew up in a cement home like you would see most people. There weren't any windows. You know, they didn't need them. I mean, it went over the side for when there were rains. Um, and it was on a, on a hill with no paved street. And she came to America, bought a home, bought food, food trucks, bought her first restaurant, all this other stuff, and really and truly became successful. Now, did her kids ruin all those businesses? Yes. They were soft. They didn't understand what they had. They were fighting over who would be the manager rather than having the best person manage. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, yep. I've, I've watched those heights and, and I had this other guy named Jose and he was from uh, Venezuela. So when they speak Spanish, it, they kind of sounds like they're singing. <laughs> and he ended up owning a restaurant, owned his own home, owned multiple cars, all this other stuff. But that's, that's the American dream. We survive as a country off of those guys making it. So they'll buy washing machines and they will buy cars and they will buy, fix up homes in areas that we would never have purchased in at one point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Rosie, so, my, my daughter, Rosie. Fix up the yeah. houses so that the hipsters can move in, Sean, and ruin that's it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, you know how when you've, uh, 
when you when you when all the white people start moving in, as you see somebody out walking two dogs that doesn't belong in the neighborhood, and then you know you know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um, I mean, I will give you an example. So we have an area call in where where I'm from in Kansas City called KCK. It kind of used to be looked down on. It was a Polish area. Nobody really looked down on it. All the houses were nice and everything else. But if you're Irish, you look down on the Poles. The Poles probably look down on us. And somebody else looked down on the Italians. And the Italians looked down on the Spanish. It was just the immigrant game. And nobody gave a shit. We would all dog each other. And we were terribly racist to one another. And then we all did business together. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared. But you can't do that anymore. But so the Mm -hmm. Poles moved out of that area to the suburbs as they made more and more money. That's where the really cool, um, what do you guys call them? Not, not custom houses. You guys have some weird name for it that like, uh, I mean, they were all made by, by real legitimate union workmen. So the workmanship was gorgeous and whatever term mm. they use, you go, so you bought an old house. And you go, yeah. And you are you go, talking about are you talking about brownstones? No, no, I, no. They're they're these are these are um those, that is more of a downtown thing in, in mm. American cities. Once you get outside of downtown, they're not. But these are just they were just really nice districts that had craftsmen homes. That's what the, the hipsters okay. call them. So they buy them and they don't know how to do any of the craftsman shit. That's the thing. These guys were custom home builders back with, you know, with rudimentary utensils. And mm-hmm. and you can you can't even buy that kind of wood anymore. It literally you can't get it. But yeah. it's interesting to watch people go back in and rebuild them and, and really enjoy the fact that they live in those homes, which is what the Poles did originally. And for some reason they thought they should move out to the suburbs and put their kids in rural schools and all that other shit, you know. Yeah. All right, let's let's circle back to the school thing. Mm-hmm. So what what created the need for the voucher programs? It was white flight from people living in cities that didn't want their kids going to school with people that didn't look like them. So they moved to the suburbs. Now, then they stay in the suburbs long enough, but there's not a big enough sales tax base to keep that suburb going. Example right now in Edmond, Oklahoma, where you went to school, mm-hmm. they have a water park that they built. It was just beautiful. They have $20 million worth of repairs needed. Oh, wow. Right. That's mm-hmm. bigger than my whole city's budget just for this water park. And they're trying to figure out how to do it. I, mm-hmm. They may end up just shutting it down. And then all of a sudden your suburb doesn't look so nice. And then all of a sudden it falls into disrepair. And then all of a sudden other people can afford to buy houses there because it was their dream to move to the suburbs. Well, it's not really anymore because the schools are run down because the sales tax all went to the water park rather than the schools. You moms for effing liberty come in and ruin your school system because they're trying to privatize it. There's an attack on all that stuff. So back to our schools free. Public schools are free, but you have to find a good one. That was the villagers podcast. <laughs> right. yeah, sorry, we are two minutes out, and I was but, like, but, but it's a, a great way to ending. end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to end. You have to go find it. 
So your parents wanted you to be well-educated. So they went out of their way to give this to you. My parents wanted me, as much as I fought them on it, wanted me to be well-educated. So they gave it to me. I did the same thing for my kids. You'll do the same thing for your kids. The problem is uneducated parents don't know to go do that shit. So they're stuck in the shitty schools. And then everybody yells at, why are you stupid? And you go, well, because their parents weren't very smart. <laughs> I mean, aren't, isn't there always going to be a lower 25% DPAC? There is. Right. Always. How are you going to fix that? Look at England. You guys have been around forever. You still have a lower 25%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, brother. You better take us out, man. <laughs> Cheers. It was good to see you in the middle of the night. Good to see you. I'll do the ending, but then we will circle back with Ali at some point too about this yeah. episode. Apparently, I was 30 minutes off, Sean, on Germany time. Oh, dear Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. she's still stuck but- at the doctor's office, so it wouldn't have made sense. That would have been hilarious to do it from the doctor's office. (laughs) I know. Next time, just dial in from wherever the hell you are. (laughs) There you go. All right, homie. Have a good night, man. I will see you.